Well, good morning, Lighthouse. I am so excited and glad that you're here. And uh, before we jump into the word of the Lord, just one quick thing. Next week, we are starting our missions emphasis. It's such an exciting time every single year for us as we plan to give in faith promise giving. Giving that's over and above our uh, tithing. And uh, I'm so pumped because in the next couple of weeks, I'll actually be opening us up next week. But the week after that, we'll be having C.J. Ward, who is our former youth pastor, and he'll be here. Uh, was part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, now part of a church plant. And uh, so he'll be with us ne- uh, in two weeks. And then on the 23rd, my good friend, Trey Moore, will be back from India Rural Evangelical Fellowship. And he'll be sharing with us right here on this stage. So I hope that you will, on your way out, if you're a regular part of the family here at Lighthouse, that you will grab a faith promise card in the back and begin praying what God would have you to do, okay? So everybody say amen. 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 All right. So I'm glad you're here because we're going to finish up the talk that I started last week. And last week we talked about faith and we talked about how, um, how our faith where our place, where we place our faith, where we place our faith determines how strong our faith is going to be. What we have our faith in determines how strong our faith is going to be. And over the last few years, I, I talked about this last week, over the last few years we've seen a number of um, recognizable Christians in the Christian world uh, you know, singers, pastors, worship leaders, uh, YouTube influencers who have walked away from their faith. Not walked away from the church, but walked away from their faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the key components, they said, of them walking away from their faith was the people in the church. Let me say that again. One of the key components to them walking away from their faith was the people in the church. Some of the things that people were saying, some of the things that people were doing, okay? Pastors who were having moral failures, uh, you know, politicians and other people. And so these people were walking away from their faith because they were putting their faith in the created rather than in the creator, And instead of watching what God was doing, they were watching what everybody else was doing, okay? And they've turned away. They've lost their focus, um, and and they've allowed their faith to be built upon the, the shifting ground of feelings and emotions, okay? They have built their faith on the shifting ground of feelings and emotions, On the sandy soil of human beings who are made in the image of God, rather than basing their faith on the presence of God in their lives. Now, I want you to hear what I am about to say next. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. And so I'm going to pause for just a moment because I don't want it to be misunderstood. I don't want it to be miscommunicated or misinterpreted, okay? I want you to hear this. Everything. Everything. Say that word with me. Everything. Say it again. Everything. 
everything rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For us, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're Jesus followers, we're disciples. For us, everything, everything, say everything, everything rises and falls on the resurrection. Not on the church, not on a denomination, not on a pastor, not on a Christian who in some way, shape, or form, or a group of Christians stepped out and said or did something that was against scripture, not on that. That's not what our faith is built on. It's built on the resurrection of Jesus. So listen to me carefully. Nothing should rattle your faith. None of those things, not a pastor having a moral failure, not a church or a denomination that begins to move away from orthodox beliefs in Jesus Christ, Okay, not a group of Christians who follow this or that, you know, whatever. But if your faith is built on Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, then your faith should never be in tatters. Your faith should never be shaken if it's in the right place. Everything rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Governments are going to come and go. Churches are going to be build, built and destroyed. Pastors are going to be born and are going to die. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is forever. Everything rises and falls for Christians Everything rises and falls on the resurrection. In fact, when you read the New Testament, when you read the New Testament, everything written in there, everything about church plants, okay, these new house churches that were springing up in the New Testament, everything, okay, every sermon that was preached, every letter that Paul wrote, every book that we read, everything comes back to the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because it's the foundation. Paul will write different things to the, the church in Galatia or the church in Ephesus. John will write from, from Patmos for being exiled. This guy that the Romans tried to kill, and he, I mean, they did, listen, they dipped this guy in boiling oil seven times, and he still wouldn't die. So they just exiled him to an island by himself, pretty much. And he wrote about stuff, and he wrote about what the end time was going to be like. And all of that was based on and found its purpose and foundation on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, never, ever, ever put your eyes and your trust and your faith on me saving you. Mm -mm. Or on this church. Or on this denomination. Because the only one who died and rose again, the only one who can save you, is the only one 
who has resurrected and lived, and that's Jesus Christ. So, here's the thing. It's an awesome thing that the the stories that we read in the Old Testament, this historical occurrence is based on a man who rose again. A man who walked this earth, who died a horrific death, and rose again. And he was seen, not by three or four people, but by literally hundreds of people. And this is a verifiable fact. Okay, This isn't some bedtime story. It's not one of Aesop's fables. This is a verifiable fact. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 2, when Peter is giving his very first sermon, this is what he says. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we, including Peter and the people who were around him, who came running out of the upper room because the Holy Spirit had come upon him, and we are witnesses of it. We are witnesses. We saw it. We heard it. John, the guy who had been dipped in boiling oil seven times, would say, would write, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Verifiable. They saw it. They heard it. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who wrote almost half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul would talk about this. He would explain why this resurrection is so important. And he would give the whole biography of Jesus, what he did for you. And then he would say something interesting. He said, for what I received, this is Paul, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared, that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas uh, was Peter's name, okay? Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500, more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Most of whom, most of whom who are still living. This is Paul's way of saying, listen, hey, I get it. I get it if you don't believe me, okay? But here's the thing. There are over 500 people who are witnesses of this. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. They can tell you what they saw, what they heard, what they witnessed, okay? Because most of them are still alive. We, as followers of Jesus, base our faith on a fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's what we base it on. We don't base it on a church or a pastor or a group of people. And then when they fail, we look at it and go, well, I don't know if I can believe in Jesus anymore. What? How does that, how does that impact a fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? In fact, this message of God's love for us and our hope in the future was so powerful that millions, that millions of people have believed. In fact, let me go back for just a second, okay? The Apostle Paul also said this. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're just a book club meeting on Sunday mornings. Your faith is useless. In fact, Paul would go on to write, 
if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus is only good for this life, if Jesus isn't good for the next life, if he didn't rise from the dead, then we're spinning our wheels, wasting our time, and we are to be pitied. And that's why throughout the years, there have been literally millions of people who have died. Nope. It would be way more accurate to say this, that there have been millions of people who have been martyred over the two millennia since Jesus Christ walked this earth. Millions of people have died because they believed what was told them was not a story. It was not a myth. It was not a legend. That it was true that Jesus Christ walked this earth, died a horrific death, and rose again, and they were willing to lay everything on the altar of their faith. That's a big deal right there, my friends. And so people walking away from their faith, people walking away from their faith because of what someone else has done or said is troubling. It's troubling and regrettable. And we should be praying for these brothers and sisters, for these people who have walked away. We shouldn't be condescending and judgmental, but we should be praying for them. But ultimately, let's be honest, let's be honest, ultimately, my faith is my faith, right? And your faith is your faith. And you have to decide what you're going to build your faith on, right? What we build our faith on is up to us, right? Isn't, isn't that the truth? So since people should be fill, building their faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and not on how I live, I'm off the hook, right? I'm off the hook. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus was crystal clear about this. That our faith in him should be transformational. Our faith in Jesus Christ should transform how we live our lives. It should change how we live. That's what Jesus said. That's what he talked about, how we live our lives. He said in, in John chapter 14, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then a little bit later, he put it in a different way. He said in verse 24, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching. It changes how we live our lives. Jesus said, you're either going to live according to the example I've given you and my teachings, or you're not. And the way you live reveals whether you love me or not. The resurrection transforms, and our faith in the resurrection transforms how we live live our lives anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching and just like the california highway patrol officer who pulled me over and when i said i didn't know that what i did was wrong he said ignorance of the law is no excuse and my friends ignorance of jesus teaching and commands no excuse no excuse it's right there it's given to you and me 
We should know. We should know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We should know what they wrote because they're biographies of Jesus' commands and his teachings. And so our lives should be transformed. In fact, how we live matters. Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Not just hear your good words, praise the Lord, hallelujah, God bless you, brother. I'll be praying for you. That's important. Prayer's important. But Jesus said that they may see your good deeds. They may see how you live your life and glorify your Father in heaven. My friends, it is so important that we understand this. How we live matters how we live matters how i live matters how i live matters will you say that how i live matters how i live matters say it again for me will you how you live matters It reveals our love for Jesus, and it serves as a beacon to the world we live in, what the love of God looks like, how we live matters. Jesus loves people. Therefore, I should love people. In fact, Jesus loves all people. Therefore, I should love all people, regardless of whether I agree with them politically (gasps) or not regardless of whether they look like me or not regardless of whether they live where i live or not regardless of whether they believe what i believe or not jesus loves people so i should love people jesus served his father and he served people therefore i should serve his father and i should serve people and i should serve them because I love Jesus. How you live your life matters. In fact, let's take our last few moments here and let's just check out what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians about how we should live this life, how we can live it on a foundation of faith. Here's what he said He said, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous. And be strong. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Scholars say that that what Paul has written here is kind of in the context of a military statement. That a military commander would address his men and before going into battle would say something like this. To encourage and challenge his men before they would go into battle. Men, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. I love how William Barclay put it. Maybe a little bit easier for us to understand. As a sentinel, that would be kind of a guard standing watch. As a sentinel, be ever on the alert. When under attack, stand fast in the faith and yield not an inch. In time of battle, play a hero's part. 
Like a well-equipped and well-trained soldier, be strong to fight for your king. Be strong to fight for your king. Listen, what he's saying, when we, when we look back, when he says, uh, be on your guard, be on your guard, because you have a target on your back. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a target on your back. Okay? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that, this, the, 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 that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. It is not a game. It's a war. We are involved in a spiritual war that is going on around us. Okay? And when it comes to that battle, Paul says, stand firm. In fact, in uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, it is by your faith. It is by faith that you stand firm. It's on that foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and knowing his teachings and his commands. It's by faith that you're able to stand firm. And then he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong. Be courageous and be strong. And it's interesting because that phrase, be strong and courageous, is peppered throughout the Old Testament. You can look it up. You'll see it time and again. God has to reaffirm us that in the end we win the battle. Just be strong and courageous. I love it. In Joshua chapter 1. Now think about it. Joshua is taking over leadership for Moses. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses and the children of Israel, the, the mothers and fathers and grandparents of the current generation are not allowed to go in. And so Moses, Moses dies, and the only leader that this nation that has wandered through the desert for 40 years, the only leader they've ever known is Moses, and Joshua is getting ready to take the helm. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? For 40 years, you've been walking around, and there's only really two people from the former generation who are going to get to go in, and that's Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua's about to take leadership. And I imagine these little nervous, little scared, million people, cranky, tired, or sick and tired of eating the same meal every single day. Sick and tired of walking around in the desert for 40 years. When are we going to get there? They were the ultimate, like, nine-year-olds. Moses, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there, Moses? How much farther? How much farther? Hey, Moses, when are we going to? I got to go potty. Come on, Moses. Right? Right? Okay. And so they're getting ready to go in. And three times, three times God has to say to Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And finally he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. And that's what Paul says to you and me. We've got the answer. We know the answer. Our faith rests on the answer. You ever had this situation? You think about it. It's kind of funny. You know what it's like, right, when you're right. You know what it's like when you know the answer to something, right? And when you know the answer to something, you are confident, you are confident. You're bold and you're confident. You're willing to do stuff that maybe takes a risk. 
Like you, maybe you hear somebody saying something that you know is incorrect and you can't let it go. You got to correct them. When somebody, you know, you're standing with a group of people and they say something like, well, you know, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. And you try to bite your tongue. You're like, ah, I'm going to let it go. And you find it, no, 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 no. The Bible doesn't say that. And this person comes back with a really like intelligent like response and goes, uh-huh. And so I just immediately go to the triple dog dare, and I'm just like, oh, yeah? I'll bet you a million dollars right now. Let's do it. million dollars. The Bible doesn't say that, right? That's because we have confidence when we know what we believe and why we believe it. We've got confidence. We can have confidence when we know what we believe and why we believe it. The single greatest way to be strong and courageous and to stand firm in the faith is by knowing what you believe and clinging to it. My friends, that's why the creeds were so important to the early church. That's why throughout centuries and millennia, the creeds became so important because they were a statement of faith. The Apostles' Creed was written in about in, in the mid-2nd century, in like 150 A.D. And it wasn't written by the Apostles, but most of the other creeds got you know, their start from the Apostles' Creed. It's a statement of faith that we should have learned and should memorize. Some of you maybe know it and have it memorized. I see Pastor Bruce back there. Janine probably has it memorized, right? Okay? So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. Stand up. Everybody stand up quick. Stand up. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. And I want you to pay attention to the words as we read it. Because this is the statement of faith. This is what our faith is built on. Read along with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. Now just stop there real quick because I know some of you are going, the Holy Catholic Church, what do you mean? That church, that, or that word Catholic actually means universal. Not like the Catholic Church with the Pope. The word actually means universal. So we're saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of the saints. Okay, so let's read those lines one more time. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a seat. Woo! That's what we believe in right there. That's what our faith is based upon. Not on, not on a celebrity, not on a, not on a, you know, uh, a social, uh, you know, 
social person who has an influence on YouTube. It's not built upon a denomination. It's built on the fact that God loves you and did everything to be with you. That he would give his life for you and resurrect to give you hope in the future. Now, here's the thing as we close up here. To be honest with you, I left something out of Paul's commands. And, uh, and so, let's look at it again. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And I left one thing out, and it's this. Do everything in Jesus said, they'll know that you are my followers if you love each other. Do everything in love. Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't say do most things in love. He doesn't say do the easy things in love. He doesn't say, you know, do the things that you want to do in love. He doesn't say, you know, do the things to people that you like in love. He doesn't say don't, he doesn't say do most things. He says do everything in love. There's that word again. Everything. Do everything. That's impossible. That's impossible. Does he know what he's saying? Do everything in love? It's impossible. You're right, it is impossible. If you don't have the Holy Spirit. With God, all things are. Anyone? possible do everything in love as jesus followers it matters how we live our lives how i live my life is either going to encourage people toward jesus or away from jesus and there are two people two people who are prime examples to me two people the first person some of you may have heard of uh his name's ed gregory Ed Gregory, dude right there in the middle in front of the really good looking guy. That's Ed Gregory right there, right? And Ed, Ed just passed away a couple weeks ago at 102 years old. And Ed was one of my favorite people here at Lighthouse Community Church. Because anytime Ed was around, it was happy. It was a happy time. Ed was, wa- Ed was walking without a walker when he was like 101 years old. And he would come to church... And he'd have like these pieces of paper that would have like encouraging articles and witty sayings and stuff like that. And he'd make copies and he'd hand them out to people, mainly women, but he'd hand them out, right, to people. And you're like, oh, thanks. And he'd, hey, I'd get them and I'd read them. Oh, man. And Ed was just so cool to be around. He was always happy. When he'd come to the office to make copies, I kind of would laugh. And as a staff, we would kind of chuckle because Ed would just hum. We'd be like, hi, Ed, how you doing? Because he's kind of hard of hearing. Hi, Ed, how you doing? He'd go, good, good. And it's like, how can you not be happy when somebody's humming? If you are, you are either Eeyore or Satan. I don't know, okay? But when you were with Ed, Ed was just so much, he was a joy to be around. He cared about you. He loved his wife, Mary, who had passed away like within a year before. Ed was such a joy to be around. Man, I loved being around Ed. The other person was Ian. And Ian Everett, this guy right here on the left, Ian, I cannot tell you, there was never 
ever a time that I left Ian's presence that I wasn't like, I, I'm so glad I was around him. He, he's so much fun. I always walked away from being around Ian happier than I was before I saw him. I, I loved being around Ian. And, and if you knew Ian, Ian worked in the youth group for a while. And he was told you, and there were times you would see Ian like after church, after he was playing drums, he was like a he was a like like foundational rock in our band, right, Michael? I mean, Ian was like here all the time. God blessed us with Ian. But then after church was over, like little kids would run up to him and they'd just start chasing him around the church and he'd hang out with the kids. It was like, man, like Ian was such a joy. No matter what was going on in his life, Ian was a joy. And Ian actually, yesterday, left Kalamazoo to move down to Kansas City. And I'll tell you what, it's hard for me to lose a person like Ed Gregory. Your heart breaks when you lose a person like Ian. And I believe this. I was talking with Ian. I think I was praying with him. And I think about how the people who don't know Jesus look at somebody like, like Ed. And they look at somebody like Ian. And they will say, I may not agree with their religion, but I love being around them. I may not agree with their religion. I may not agree with what they believe in, but I love being around them. How many Christians can you say that about today? How many people? I, I don't remember one single time ever hearing Ed Gregory talk about politics. I don't remember one single time ever hearing Ian complain and whine about things. And not to say, he, there were some tough things for Ian and for Ed. But they lived with joy in their heart because their faith was based on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and they could take anything. And my friends, that's how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be. People should look at you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a disciple, and I hope that you're building relationships with people who aren't Christians, maybe somebody who's in your circle of seven, and my hope and prayer is that that person may look at you and may say, I, 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 I don't agree with their religion, but man, I love being around that person. I don't agree with that person's religion, but man, I love being around that person. And I look in this room and I see so many of you that I can say that about. But as Christians, we got to live different. We got to live different. We got to live joyful. We got to live like our salvation is coming. And that one day we will rise again just like our lord and savior jesus christ so my friends here's your marching orders be on your guard stand firm in the faith be courageous be strong do everything in love and when you do those people who look at you who say i may not agree with what they believe in but i love being around them they're going to start changing their view is going to begin to change. And you will have an opportunity to share the joy that you have in Jesus Christ.
So, three quick questions for you. You ready? Three quick questions for you to kind of process this message with, okay? You can write them down, take a picture of it or whatever. The first question, I understand that everyone is responsible for their own faith, but is how I'm living my life encouraging people toward Jesus or away from Jesus? Is how I'm living when I'm at when I'm at Starbucks and they're taking forever to get my coffee for me and I got to go, I'm in a hurry. Is how I respond to the barista, is it pushing him or her toward Jesus or away? Hmm? Second question, what is the first step for me to look more like Jesus? What is the first step? What is the first thing that I need to do? What is the first thing I got to do in order to look a little more like Jesus? And the third question, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Is it for love or is it for me? Remember what Paul said, do everything, do everything in love. So why do I do what I do? Is it for love or is it for me? When I help out somebody, is it for recognition so that they'll go, oh, thank you so much. Woo. I don't know how I've been able to do it if it wasn't for you. Or did I do it just because I love them? When I do something for somebody, do I get angry if they don't say thank you? I got to be honest with you, that's the one where I got to work the most. If I'm being honest with you. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it for the thank you? Is it for me? Or is it because God loves them and I should too? All right, stand up with me. We're going to close and we're going to sing that song that goes along with the Apostles' Creed. We're going to sing this I believe, and I hope that you will sing it loud. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, I hope you will sing it loud because it is what you believe. And let what you believe inform the actions that you take and the life that you live so that the world that is hurting, desperate, angry, anxious, and everything else will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Lord, let that be so. Let that be so in our lives so that you will receive glory and honor and praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.